had a great time recording this episode with Casey from Canyon Coffee. We spent some time together at their office in LA, sipping on coffee and talking about how he and Allie, his co-founder, launched and scaled the brand over the past few years. Canyon Coffee focuses on producing coffees that are high quality and enjoyable for daily life. We talk about how the love of coffee and travel drove the launch of the brand and the importance of focusing on product while cultivating patience to build a lasting business. I hope you enjoy the conversation and be sure to check out Canyon Coffee and order a bag to enjoy at home. Can you tell us just like a little bit about how you got into starting Canyon Coffee? Yeah. And yeah. and maybe a little bit about your background before Canyon. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it, it really starts with... Uh, our relationship, me and my partner, Ali. And so we met uh, seven years ago in LA, so 20, 2012 or something like that. And at the time, I was, uh, um, I was in a band that was starting to go on the road a lot um, called Cayucas. What kind of music was it? It was like vintage beach pop. So we were on an indie label, a secretly Canadian, and we were starting to... Uh, hit the road. So when we first, when Ali and I first met, I was actually gone for like the first four out of the six months that we were together. Um, but coffee was one of the early things that we had really kind of bonded over um, right off the bat. But just like as much as any person, we weren't like obsessed with it. But uh, through being on the road a lot, um, that part of our relationship really became like a, um, a connection point. So when I'd be in some random town with like two hours to spare, I would start looking for local roasters and uh, send Allie home beans from good shops that I really enjoyed. And uh, so we kind of both started getting a lot more into it and learning just through osmosis, through going to other roasters, learning about coffee. Before long, we started traveling. We just based every trip or every day of any trip on you know, where were we going to start our day, where, where we were going to have that first cup of coffee. Um, and then I actually started baristaing. And uh, I started working at this spot uh, called Bar 9 in Culver City, which is a great shop, and became good buddies with this guy named James, uh, who was also a musician, but he was the roaster at Bar 9. And uh, from there, I was still playing music. I was in another band uh, that we were with a major label. And... Um, but at some point, uh, I had moved on to another shop as a barista. James had moved on. And Allie and I really kind of had this kind of culmination moment of the last few years where we just realized that coffee was this thing that we both really had found a mutual passion for. And uh, we something we cared about. It was something people looked to us for kind of as... Uh, not experts, but we were just like the go-to coffee people for our friends. If they were traveling, they wanted to know what shops to go to, or if they wanted to make better coffee at home, we had kind of become those people. And there was, we knew there was something different we wanted to do in coffee. And we asked James if he wanted to help us out and be our roaster. And he was and down. This, James was the roaster that worked at the, did he own the spot that you worked at? No, no, we were both employees there. 
And he had went on to work for another company as a roaster. And so we were basically able to start by roasting him, roasting after hours on another company's equipment. And that's how as a musician and Ali, who's modeled for her uh, whole adult career, how we were able to start a coffee company. Because I don't think anybody was going <laughs> to give a loan to build a roaster to a musician and a model. <laughs> so was, was at this point, did you guys, were you just thinking that you were going to do it as like a kind of like a side project or? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that. I think or that, was, did you have plans for it or was it more just like doing it for the love of doing it and figuring out? Yeah, it was that. How to do it. It was that uh, because we knew it was our first rodeo. We didn't have, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it really came out of a passion for it. And it, it, we didn't start with the grand business plan. Uh, we had a vision for what we wanted to do and we knew it was something we cared about. And so for me personally, I knew that it was something that I, in the same way, like with being a touring musician, you have to love every part of it. Yeah. For, as a drummer, you have to love like setting up and tearing down your drums and being on the road eight hours a day. You got to love like every part of it. Coffee was something that I think we both knew at the end of the day. It was something that we loved and that we wanted to share. And there wasn't, um, it was kind of just with that foundation that we were like, yeah, let's do it. But to your point, I think that I probably had a little naivete and just thinking, yeah, let's just be like this fun little like side thing we do. And, but did you guys, did you guys work on like the brand of it all in the beginning? Like who, how did you actually get it to market and was the first rendition of it? Cause I remember seeing it, I think like near the time that it launched. October, 2016 is when we launched. Yeah. I think I saw it around then. And yeah. nice. like, did you guys have people that you worked with on building the brand aspect of it or was it all just done out of the love of doing it and figuring it out on your own? Um, it was, that's, it's a pretty cool story. So we, it was like January of 2016 when we were ruminating on it. Actually, this is what happened. So I think that it was like February of 2016 where we finally had that moment of let's do this. Let's start a coffee company. And, um, and I can get into the, the name and all that and how yeah. that came to, but, um, for the actual development of the brand and packaging in a way, the, the, the aesthetic had already been building for years through, um, just through our, our own travels. And I mean, really Ali, we, we consider her like the creative director. She's the creative director of Canyon coffee. She's really the eye. And she, I feel had been developing this aesthetic for years without us ever thinking of putting a brand on it, but she had kind of been developing that feel and aesthetic for years. Like, <laughs> so she had just been like developing the aesthetic of it. And then you guys, like, how did you work on the packaging? Like, did you, I mean, you worked in the coffee industry in a way at a shop, mm -hmm. at a an individual shops. or a few shops. Mm -hmm. Did you like have to research how like to work on the actual packaging and develop the 
Um, yeah, before we made the brand, we already had this, uh, this idea of what we wanted to do, the kind of seed at the brand. Well, we wanted to, we had learned all about this great, incredible coffee, um, you know, third wave coffee. Um, and what is the, like third wave? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, when you hear about people talking about the waves in coffee, um, it's kind of an American phrase, but it is used internationally. But um, real quick, first wave coffee is your diner coffee. It was the emergence of just uh, commercial drip coffee across America. So including Folgers, Maxwell House, but just your good old like classic cup of joe. Yeah. Um, you could present day, you could think Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, I guess, as like that's your first wave coffee. Um, second wave was the emergence of Italian style espresso. So that's when uh, lattes, cappuccinos started making their way across America. And companies like Pete's and Starbucks are really kind of viewed as the heralds of that wave. Um, it's also when I think of second wave indie shops, I think of like overstuffed couches and open mic nights and like really cozy vibes, but not necessarily great coffee. Um, they usually have names like Latte Da and, you know, that kind of thing. And then Third Wave kind of uh, was born in the 90s. And that was the real kind of artisanal, who's growing this, like tracing the coffee from uh, the hands of the farmers to the hands of the barista. Um, and, and so brands like uh, Stumptown, Intelligentsia, um, Counterculture on the East Coast, um, are kind of viewed, those are a few examples of brands that kind of pioneered third wave coffee beginning in the 90s. Um, but it's just been going since then. So of course, people today are talking about fourth wave coffee, um, which is actually like, I don't, I don't use that term for ourselves, but people usually talk about the hospitality component being what makes something fourth wave. Hospitality in what way? Like the way that you serve yeah kind of like how it's delivered around. yeah yeah so and that's where and this goes back now to when being fans of coffee we felt that there was a lot of incredible coffee out there um but that not everyone you know like almost all of our friends drink coffee but a lot of what we were learning about and experiencing was like over people's heads it wasn't you know not everyone wanted that kind of amazing experience that you can get at you know, next level shops on a daily basis for their morning cup of coffee. Um, like for example, there are really, a, you can get really exquisite, weird, natural processed coffees that taste like blueberries, you know, which is a really cool thing to experience and taste. But we just noticed that, you know, we were trying to share these coffees with people. Um, and for a lot of people, it was like too big a stretch. So we were like, let's, and also when people would go into third wave shops, we felt that a lot of the, uh, the branding and the whole aesthetic was overtly masculine or, you know, like mustache, ax handles, motorcycles, just kind of uh, industrial, stoic, concrete, metal, like not very warm, approachable, inviting. If you ever went to a shop and felt intimidated, you know, about like what you should order, like... Yeah. That kind of thing, we were like, that's compl that's so unnecessary. Like, there's great coffee being made. Let's let's source and roast and create great coffee um, that's approachable, and we can turn normal coffee lovers onto this great movement that's happening 
in coffee. And let's, let's uh, bring it to people in a way that's warm and special. So how did you guys, like, initially, how did you, did you have any connections, like, distribution-wise? Because now you're in, like, how many, how many stores or shops do you think you're in throughout the U.S. at this point? We're, we're like, just shy of 100 now, so I think it's, like, 90, 95, but it, it changes every week. Yeah. We, we get a few new accounts, and then there's some that start with us. And, and are, is that split up between like retail shops and then also coffee coffee shops and also restaurants serving canyon coffee yep that's right so but no distribution everything grew really organically we started by going to um retail shops like boutiques that we were fans of and making them coffee and basically you know um asking them to give our coffee a shot and we had designed it with those kinds of places in mind, these kind of boutiques that made really cool, like home goods. And um, starting there is kind of what introduced our coffee to a lot of people. Um, and then, uh, so those are probably, in terms of volume, that's still probably the majority of our accounts. Um, but then we also have been getting more into cafes, hotels, offices, coffee shops, restaurants. And last year I actually started consulting and helping people open shops. And you guys now have, like you have a wider product range now from what I know, like you have instant kind of like you've expanded beyond. At this point, how long have you been, how long have you been doing Canyon Coffee? And then what was it like expanding because essentially you guys are learning throughout the process of it. Yeah, from the very get-go. Um, well, we started in October 2016, but I guess I, I guess I didn't really hit on that, how we developed the, the brand and stuff either, But because it's kind of a cool story. We were at a friend's birthday party. Um, it's actually our friend Jesse who has the blog, uh, How You Glow. Um, anyway, we were at this birthday party we met this couple who had moved to the U.S. from New Zealand and uh, just hit it off with them and made a date to get dinner with them like a month later. In between that time, we had decided let's start a coffee company. And we had come up with the name when we were hiking in, I think, Temescal Canyon in the Santa Monica Mountains. Um, and so we get dinner with these two. We tell them that we're starting a coffee company. And at the end, we find out that Fred, it's Fred and Emily. Fred is actually a package designer. And we were like, oh, will you help us make our, develop our package? And he's like, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, and then we w went through a process where we kind of, he sent us a nice uh, kind of Q&A. Um, that's kind of his standard procedure for developing brands. And we poured out this whole kind of philosophy we had been building. Um, and then he developed several concepts and uh, we chose this one, but it was really close with this one and another one. Um, and, and that's kind of been the brand since you guys haven't updated. No, yeah. It's funny that we've been working on the Canyon Retail Bag 2.0 for like for a while. So. so how did you guys end up like expanding the product range into uh into like the instant coffee like have you guys ever had stuff that you haven't 
known that you've run into like trouble with or i mean yeah kind of all the time you know like i think from the very get-go when you start something we just got comfortable knowing that we didn't know and we were never going to know all the answers and i think that's because anyone we had met who had a business was saying the same thing like take anyone you see who has a successful business no one like showed them the ropes or made them an expert you know there's you just ali and i are both people who are like avid readers we're curious constantly like wanting to learn and travel and so it's like having that kind of mindset i think is really helpful um because it's it is a constant learning experience um in terms of our our products yeah we started super we started with one coffee we started with the coffee source from guatemala we chose Guatemala because I had lived there for four months. Um, so it was a place we actually had some connection to. And we started with one coffee because we just wanted to start as basic and as simple as possible to learn the ropes of wholesaling because we weren't, we weren't banking on direct-to-consumer online sales. How did you originally, like, do you guys travel? Do you guys ever travel to the places for our coffees yeah so i like to go and meet farmers after we've already been buying coffee from them um that's probably a super fun experience it's great yeah i've I've met farmers we've bought from in guatemala and i've just felt because i've also met farmers that we haven't bought from we don't try to project any kind of myth that we're out there finding these great coffees because to me it's a disservice to people who have been building relationships, helping farmers achieve financial independence for decades since, you know, like the 90s. And if I were to go and find a farm in Oaxaca or Uganda, um, even if I'm like, I want to buy your entire harvest, I don't have an international logistics company. So I need to work with a company who has that supply chain set up and get my coffee into a shipping container to get to out on the ocean to Oakland so that I can bring it down to our roastery and roast it. So um, the way that we source coffees is through import companies, which enables us to basically source from around the world and tap into work that importers have already been doing to help the farmers, you know, achieve a better price for their coffee and better livelihoods. Cause it's, it's tough being a farmer. Yeah. Even if you're an American farmer, you know, it's, it's a, it's a grind. Yeah. So I feel like you guys from the outside looking in, you guys have done a really good job of building, of like taking the time to build, um, a very like respected brand. It it feels like everything that you've done is very organic. Uh, thanks. How do you guys like think about growing the business or do you, or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because everything has come about so organically. Yeah. Um, we've always had a vision to grow. I mean, we started with a, a strategy that I kind of shed a little light on before in terms of how we got it out there. But, um, you mean with the more targeting like boutiques that exactly. you guys love? Uh, for sure. I mean, especially I, I feel that, 
I feel that the brand uh, living in Los Angeles has really shaped so much of the brand and what it is. And, um, and part of that is just the, the hustle that's required to afford to live in LA. And so that's been a, a, a real driving motivator because we had to get this business to a place where it could support people to, to live here. And so while it started, you know, before it started, it was like, yeah, we're just going to like see if people like this. It, it quickly turns into like, all right, how are we going to sustain? And, and also, how are we going to keep up with this growth? People do want this. How are we going to, you know, continue to keep this growth rate that we're on? You need to be profitable, but then you need to invest everything you make right back into the company. And so you quickly need to establish like, where are we going? You know, um, for us traveling, it sounds crazy, but it's, it's always been a part of our brand. It was something else besides coffee that Allie and I really bonded over. And it's something that when we started Canyon, we thought we don't want to start something that's going to inhibit us from doing what we love, which is travel. That's why we didn't start with the shop. Because as a barista, I know how much work it takes to run a shop. And so that's why we wanted to start selling wholesale and retail coffee. Um, but getting out of town, getting out of our house, traveling, gives us the space and distance from the day to day. And that's how we chart our course. That's pretty much it. Like You mean in the sense like when you, uh, I feel like I'm kind of similar in a certain way like you mean when you travel it allows you to like detach from what you do on a daily basis that you can actually like take time to plan and be separated enough from things that it gives you like a clear perspective on what you actually want to do instead of just getting caught up in yeah what you are doing yeah absolutely so a, a good example is um there's always opportunities coming in and uh like or ideas for things you can do so getting a coffee trailer is an example where there's been multiple times where we saw like a mobile trailer or we offered one and when we get opportunities you have to learn how to say no to a lot of things but then every once in a while there's things that come through and you're sifting through and you're like okay this could actually be something and with the coffee trailer in particular we were so close to buying one and making that a part of our business because it had so it checked so many boxes, you know, um, we could uh, just for visibility, for ease of mobile events, for revenue source, you know, doing private events, um, being able to pop up anywhere. We were really close, but then just getting space um, away from the day to day, even if you're just doing like a whatever you're a hike you know you're just turning off from work for a while and getting that space helps us get to the point where we're like actually no you know what that's we don't have a place to park it we don't want to invest in that i want to keep my weekends i don't want to be out every weekend doing coffee for weddings to make this profitable this trailer thing you know i we do that you know we have mobile coffee but we found other ways to do it uh because we with that distance, we're like, actually, that's not where we want to go. And then every time that you say no to something, it also is valuable, as valuable as saying yes to things. Our, long, our longer term vision has been to uh, 
I want to grow this and I really want to be a company that can be proud of uh, the livelihoods that we're creating for people involved, um, for people to have the association with the brand that's just positive. I, I, I know from the people that uh, we sell coffee to and have made relationships with that we've really kind of succeeded in helping some people make their days more special. And that's like, that's kind of what it's all about. And so if we can keep that at the focus as, as the focal point, but continue to get it to a place where we can support um, a, a bigger team and um, have, like, have physical spaces that people can come and experience, have our own roastery someday, um, that's, that's, kind of the, that's kind of what's next. Yeah. Do you see yourself... Uh... Like coffee, there's so many avenues. I feel like other businesses, there's less, there's less avenues of distribution. Like for you guys, you have so many ways that you can go about growing things. Do you see like the retail aspect or the wholesale aspect of it uh, still being a big uh, avenue of how you get the brand out there and introduce it to more people? in terms of like selling to boutiques and, you know, cause like coffee, uh, I'm also somewhat assuming, but coffee, you can, um, own your own coffee shops. You can sell to wholesale, like fashion boutiques, like you were saying, mm -hmm. you could sell to other coffee shops that are not owned by you. You know what I mean? Like, do you see the boutique Avenue and, uh, that aspect of it still being a big way that you guys get the brand out there? I think that there will probably always be partnerships and relationships that are just like, absolutely. Yes. You know, and, and that speaks to, to how it started too. If there was somebody whose creativity or brand or shop, we really loved and respected and admired it was like, yeah, let's, let's work together. Do you want to have our coffee on your beautiful shelves? You know, but aside from those kinds of special relationships, I, I don't see us trying to like get into every boutique, you know, yeah. it's been really helpful and it's turned us on to really awesome people that like, and that's really to me, like one of the best parts of the company is just all the people that we've met. Um, I, I guess that's kind of what I was wondering too. Like more than the boutiques, it's like, from the outside looking in, I think I've noticed like you guys work with really great people uh, that you Thanks. associate with. And I'm curious, like, uh, was that intentional in a, or how have you built your network? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. was that actually intentional or was it more like in the sense that you went out to retail stores that you just loved in general uh, out of admiration and said, yeah. Hey, try like we've made this new thing, try it. Yeah. We'd love to be involved. Is that how you've approached finding uh, different like photographers to work with or different? Is it more from a sense of like, I already love what you do. Let's work on something together. Yeah. And it's intentional 
in so much as it's working just with people we genuinely, uh, you know, admire and respect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that community that we feel a part of, which I think is, uh, another reason that being in LA is so great. There's so many people close to us in age who are just following their passion and starting their own thing. Um, we really resonate with people like that as a community. Um, in fact, that's, I'm, I'm starting to get kind of gatherings of our friends who have small businesses because it's always, as you probably know, you, this is yeah. the point of the podcast, like being able to just talk with other people who have small businesses, regardless of your industry or field, there's always so many commonalities and there's so much knowledge and wisdom and experience when you're talking with the collective. So information sharing and, and like commiseration, you know, over all the challenges of starting your own business. It's really lonely sometimes, yeah. you know, it's you and a laptop, you know, in the beginning and throughout, you know, so. What do you think you're like, if you look back on the success that you guys have had, like what would you attribute it most to? Without it being cliche, I, I think that it, it probably falls back on uh, authenticity. But I say that knowing that we're living in an age of like the cult of authenticity, where even like General Motors is probably, you know, like, how can we be more authentic, you know? So, but I can just, I can say it because I feel that we don't do things unless it feels right to us. And we've also been very patient. I think that patience is one of the most important values for having a business. And I'm not really surprised when I see a lot of these companies who have raised tons of money going under <laughs> because um, until you've actually built your own thing, until you've kind of, you know, uh, each responsibility and role required for the, the execution of what your business needs to operate, you're dependent on money to pay for people who do know how to do the things your business needs. So it's a lot longer. You mean in the sense that like you guys have gone about it where although you've had to learn everything from the ground up, you've taken the time to invest in learning it yourself instead of paying upfront for the expertise of other people to learn that thing that then you still don't have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I, and also that's because we were, we knew going in, we were first time business owners. So I didn't want to pay somebody to be a bookkeeper until I did it myself. Yeah. So that you can understand what they're actually working on. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can manage that properly if you then decide. Yep. To hire You know somebody. exactly what's needed. Yeah. So everyone always feels the impulse. I don't know. I don't think I've met anyone who wouldn't say they could use an assistant. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But you have to like, uh, really check that impulse because yeah. one, it's more work than you think, you know, like to train somebody and how to do everything you do, 
you know, <laughs> no one can be an exact clone of you. Yeah. Um, but I do also want to say at this, like if I were to start a new business tomorrow, I, I now personally know about these things I've learned through this company. So I probably would yeah. bring our, my friend Zach, who's our bookkeeper, like right off the bat, there's, and when you even grow, as you grow, you start to come into new domains, you know, real estate or, uh, uh, higher, like, you know, loans, finance, things that it's like, if you want for us, we're at the point where it's like, you know what, maybe it is time to delegate things because to dive down a rabbit hole of a whole field, yeah. using real estate as an example, it's probably just more effective for the business if we work with someone who is passionate and gets what we're doing, who wants to help us out. Yeah. You know? So I think that's a very logical way to look at things. Like, I wonder that all the time, um, personally also. Like, am I investing too much time in actually doing this? But then on the back end, I know it's also good uh, to know how it's done, even if I don't have the goal of doing it yep. daily in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, uh, like, if you guys have one, what's, like, your focus or what's something that you're excited about for over the next, I mean, outside of possibly me asking you about something you don't want to divulge <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, what else is going on? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you guys have going on over the next? Um, well, actually, I guess it ties back to your earlier question. I didn't really answer of uh, kind of where can you grow yeah. as a coffee company. Um. Our, our direct-to-consumer online has always grown, as is our wholesale, but I, I feel that uh, skipping attention to wholesale to just focus on direct-to-consumer is, at least for us, uh, it would be a mistake because, to me, wholesale is just a foundation. If you build relationships and have people buying you know, amounts of our coffee at volume, that's just kind of a safety. That's like consistency. A foundation. Yep. Yeah. And it gives us the opportunity to work with really cool people and um, also have people enjoy our, our coffee. Um, yeah. That's like a great marketing tool. Yeah. I mean, a lot of your online business, I'd assume, is from people trying your coffee that might have bought it in a retail store. Yeah. That then find you directly yep in some format it happens all the back. time it's my favorite thing to find out how people find yeah. us in a way <laughs> you guys almost have like uh other brands do like paid advertising yeah. you almost have paid advertising in the reverse <laughs> where retail stores pay you for the coffee and then the people buy it and then come back later on essentially not that it was not to say it wasn't like nefarious yeah it's not nefarious it's it's really i was just with my friend kenny she um owns this company called shelter social club and so they have hotels around southern california the rancho Inn in ojai um the alamo motel in los alamos they have a few in santa barbara and ojai and palm springs i might have left the one at palm springs but uh we were talking about like just the community of small businesses and there's such a willingness to help each other. 
And so the people whose businesses involve spaces like hers, it's a hotel. She, to her, she loves using her spaces to showcase the art and the products of the people that she knows who have companies, the artists and, and people like us. So um, it's a total, it's a mutually, it's a mutual thing. Um, I just feel lucky that people who put in the, the sweat and love into opening stores like boutiques, uh, you know, find value in our coffee and want to, to share it with their customers. Because when people find it at these places, it's, they're usually, you know, it's a great, it's not like a bright ultraviolet lit, you know, grocery store that they're just pulling it off the shelf and it's a special place. And, and so that's the first interaction with it. And we've had people who start coffee subscriptions who had our coffee, like, you know, at a hotel in Santa Fe and had a great experience with it. And now they get our coffee because it reminds them of their vacation, you know, so. Is there, are you guys working on any like new product that you're, um, that you're excited about? Well, the, I'd say like the instant coffee has probably been like the, the biggest new thing that we've done. And it's, we're still like, there's so many opportunities and things we can do with it. And so, um, I mean, the day to day for us is there's almost always new business coming in um kind of organically which is really fun uh we've been pretty focused this year on uh local accounts so this time last year you couldn't get canyon on an espresso machine anywhere and now there's four places around la that you can about to be five um as well as spots in big sur and salt lake city and also new york and nashville um, and so that, those kinds of wholesale relationships, uh, take a lot of time. A lot of times we're helping people design and build out and set up their space. We help people hire, um, because we care about the that entire, outcome. what's that? I said, you care about the outcome yep. because they're serving. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's something different. We do, you know, That's like, so interesting that you guys, um, for those relationships that you're helping them essentially like build their, their store in order to also highlight what you do. Yeah. But, yep. And it, it's kind of, I mean, part, for me, I would never know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? From the outside, I wouldn't expect like you as a coffee company to go to the length of like ensuring that your product is, uh, tasted or like experienced in the way that it should be like right. that's a pretty uh far extent to go yeah but it's so it's so important um if you want people to if people especially as a new company but throughout i mean if people go and have a bad experience with our coffee it takes one one bad batch one bad espresso by one barista in one shop for someone to be like Canyon coffee sucks, you know? And then that's just it for that. So we know that like an advantage we have is we, our coffee's really consistent. Um, we're not roast, we're able to develop profiles for our coffee and it's not, doesn't just vary week to week. So 
we feel that if someone, it takes someone like three interactions and like at least four months to be solidly like I'm into Canyon coffee. You got to have it a few times and it has to be really good a couple times before someone's like there, that coffee's always good, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, also helping people open restaurants and coffee shops is, that is also kind of a byproduct of just the, how competitive wholesale coffee is. Um, other people are doing that and we're competing with the big guys who will just give a, um, a company an espresso machine and a grinder, which is like a $20,000 investment. And so, um, to compete with that, you know, we just really had to go back to like, what is it that we can offer? Cause we don't have money like that, but we have, um, an approach to hospitality and we have experience in the hospitality world. I, you know, I remember sweeping, mopping in shops and just being like, God, whoever built this, I cannot mop under there. This is so stupid. And it's, it's always dirty down there because they built it this way, you know? I was always thinking about that stuff when I was a barista. And so now I bring those things to people when I consult them on their shops. Um, I feel like you've given us a good, like full picture of how you've built the business. Is there anything else you would like, I don't know, like you wish you knew like back when you guys started or that you would have approached differently? Like the patience thing is like, um, like so important, but also so hard to learn. You yeah. know what I mean? I, when I was new to LA, I got placed out here for a job. And then I was 23, it was 2011. And I was like, people just move out here for like music. You know, I, cause I grew up in Minnesota and people don't really do that, you know? And so I, uh, left my job to see if I can make it in the arts, basically, if I can make a living off of it. And I wrote, I wrote, um, a, on a piece of paper, I wrote, it came out of like journaling one day, but I wrote, uh, patience, persistence, perseverance. I wasn't trying to yeah. make an alliteration, but, uh, but I still kind of live by those three. So, um, yeah, it's, Similar to music, I don't think that starting your own business is for everybody. I think it takes grit, too. Um, unless you, like, I think that it's really important to uh, have another gig or, like, I did freelance search engine optimization for, and st I still help people with it. Um, but when you start a company, you're kind of treating it like your baby for until it's really just on its own legs. And so, um, that takes a lot of dedication and sometimes putting your company like first, you know, and then as you grow it and develop it, you're also like, all right, you need to find that elusive work-life balance thing we talk about. But, but doing that to me, that's the art of it all is, is the balance of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and also remembering that we, this we created this, it's serving people, but we also created this to serve us. And so if you're not living the life that you want to have every day, then, and it's, and you think it's because of this thing you've created, then you have the power and you have the obligation to 
change it to fit what you need. Totally. Yeah. There was a, there was a long time when I was waking up and starting work at 7am and I'd go till, you know, late at night, like every day. And it was only at some point that it's like, you gotta, I pretty much do a nine to five now. Um, just because it's to have that kind of balance. When you have your own business, you can always find more stuff to work on. Yeah. Always. Like you can work without stopping because there's always stuff to do. But at some point you just like have to shut your computer and go and do something completely unrelated Yeah. for the longevity of it. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. taking the time. We'll enjoy our coffee now. Yeah, it's probably cold by now. I've got to whip up another batch. Red Receipt is a podcast by Antidote. End-to-end email and SMS marketing that sells more. Did you know the average ROI for email marketing is 4,300%? What we do and say every day counts more. Elevate your brand to a higher state through beautiful and effective email and SMS marketing. We handle it all. Strategy, copywriting, design, and reporting. Delivering world-class results without breaking the bank. We're an extension of your team. Extended family, really. You can find us at www.antidote.email and email us at hi at antidote.email. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.